Well, for Christians, Easter should be, without a doubt, the most joyous, encouraging, soul-renewing day of the year. Uh, it should fill us with hope and gratitude for what God has done. It should uh, give us this renewed passion to share that goodness with the world, because if he is really that good, then why keep it to ourselves? We'll tell people of a good restaurant we ate at, so why wouldn't we tell people about the creator of the universe coming to save our very souls? And on Easter, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Um, and when we talk about the resurrection, we kind of tend to lump it in with the other side of the equation, which is that Jesus died on a cross. Makes sense, right? Can't talk about somebody rising from the dead without talking about them being dead. That's kind of how it goes. Those things go together. And it's okay that we talk about them together. They're two sides of the same coin. But there's a little bit of difficulty because sometimes we lump them in all together, but we give kind of all the, the hype and credit to the fact that he died for us. Uh, we talk about the fact that um, Jesus, you know, uh, took the penalty for our sins, that he gives us forgiveness, that he washes us clean in his blood, but all that stuff was accomplished when he died on the cross. And so we say the death and resurrection, but then I, for a long time, was like, well, then what, what part did the resurrection do? It seems like all the all the good stuff happened when he died on the cross. All the important stuff was accomplished when he died on the cross. And so I kind of really struggled for a long time to really fully understand it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm glad Jesus came back from the dead and all that. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that sometimes we miss the point. And so that's what I want us to talk about today. I want to help us appreciate what the big deal is. Why does the resurrection matter? Why is it a big deal that Jesus was dead and came back to life? And we're going to see that this really does deserve its own holiday every single year and why Christians should look more forward to Easter than any other holiday. And um, kind of the obvious first thing that kind of comes to mind when you say, well, why does it matter that Jesus came back from the dead is because it proved that all the things he said about himself, that those things were true. Uh, because Jesus said a lot of things about himself that you would have to be crazy to say about yourself or unbelievably arrogant to say about yourself. And so it's like either he was right, either he was crazy, or either he might be one of the most arrogant people that has ever lived on the face of the earth. Um, he said that um, of all the things that he said about himself, he said um, that he was going to be, that he was actually God in a human body. Like, I, I mean, that's a lot. Like, I've heard people that I think thought that they were like, they had a, uh, the body of a God. I've heard people say that, right? But to think that I'm, I am God in a body, like, that's a lot to say. Uh, the resurrection proved that he, that he uh, had actual power over nature and the things that scare us, like death. He had power over all that stuff. Jesus came back to life, and he proved that all that stuff he said about, I'm going to die for your sins, my death's going to be a really big deal, and I'm going to save the people, and I'm going to prove how big of a deal my death is, because I'm going to take my life back again. Without that, he's just another guy who died, right? But his death was truly him sacrificing himself to rescue and redeem the human race. Uh, this is why the Apostle Paul, in a letter that he wrote to a church in Corinth, Greece, which is a real town, by the way. It's actually not a town anymore. It's ancient ruins. I've actually been there. Sometimes we, when you maybe hear Bible towns and stuff, since we've never been there, or maybe they're not really around anymore, that it can sound like we're talking about like 
Neverland or Wonderland or these made-up places, but this was a real place with real people and a real church. And so the Apostle Paul, he wrote a letter to this church kind of helping them say, like, the resurrection's a big deal, guys, because if it didn't happen, then that probably means that Jesus, again, was either a crazy liar or he was a really, really arrogant, deluded person. So here's what the Apostle Paul wrote. Whoops, as I throw my remote on the floor. There we go. He wrote, he says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead... How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So apparently that's what was, there was a rumor in the church, a belief in the church that people didn't rise from death and no one would really have hope for that. And he says, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise at all, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Meaning if Jesus didn't die, you're a mess, and you just got to live with it. And even worse, he says, than those of, us, those of us who have fallen asleep, the people that we love who've gone before us into death, that we at their funeral said, they're in a better place. You know, will we see him again one day? He said, if Jesus didn't rise from death, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. He says, everything about the faith of Christianity hangs on the fact that Jesus rose from death. And so if he didn't rise from death, then nothing was true. His death wasn't special in any way. He didn't die for your sins. He didn't take away your sins. And believing in him is nothing. It's meaningless because he was just some other normal guy who knew how to draw a crowd. So the resurrection is a big deal. Without it, everything we do and everything we believe and everything millions and maybe billions of people have believed for the last 2,000 years, it all comes crumbling down if he did not step out of the tomb. Um, I don't know how many of you have ever bought a collector's item. I remember growing up, it seemed like everything said it was a collector's item. You know, those things like they made 8 million of them and they're like, it's a collector's item. It's like, well... Not, there's nothing really that special about it, but I mean like a real, like limited run of something, collector's item. Um, you, you open it up, right, and to prove that it's special, you pull out this like um, certificate of authenticity. Sometimes it's got a big old gold embossed thing on it. If it's real fancy, it'll tell you how many total items like this were made. Like maybe there was only a thousand, or if it's really good, maybe a few hundred. And it'll tell you that like what number in the manufacturing process yours was. Right? You got the forty-second one off the line, and that and and the reason they give you that certificate of authenticity is so that you know this thing is the real deal, and so that if you ever try to sell it, that you can prove to the next person that this is important and this has value. In a weird way, the resurrection was like the certificate of authenticity on everything Jesus said and did. It was the proof that everything he said, the lessons he taught, the, 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 things he, the crazy things he said about being God in human flesh, it, says it proved that all of that was true. The resurrection was a big deal. But the resurrection isn't just special because it proves that his death was special. In its own right, the resurrection has its own amazing power. It accomplishes quite a bit for us as well. Because the Christian faith is not just about the forgiveness part. 
That's really where we kind of camp out a lot, and we talk about being saved from hell. And so, but, but, but the Christian faith is so much more than that. When we only talk about the forgiveness and getting saved so we don't go to hell and go, making sure our eternity is all set up, when we only talk about that part of things, we are talking about uh, we're really limiting our scope of what the full picture of what God wants to do in this world is truly all about. The Christian faith isn't just about us receiving forgiveness for the mistakes of our past, um, which a lot of people, people kind of mistakenly think when they come to Jesus and think about Jesus. They think of Jesus more of like an insurance policy against hell, like I'm going to believe in Jesus um, uh, so that I can just be forgiven of everything that I want to do in life, all the fun I want to have. A lot of people even believe that if they just kind of have enough Jesus in their life, then they can just live however they want. I can just go on and have as much fun and do as much sinning as I want, and eh, Jesus will figure it out in the end, and he's got me covered. He's that insurance. He'll just take care of it. Um, There's people that have Jesus in their life, the same reason some people intentionally eat tapeworms. You ever heard about this? People will eat a tapeworm on purpose, so that it will latch in their intestines, and then they can eat whatever they want, so they think, I can eat whatever they want. The tapeworm will take care of it, and I won't gain any weight. I can eat cupcakes and chips and all kinds of unhealthy stuff, do whatever I want, and the, t- the tapeworm will just make me skinny and all. It'll be fine. It's a magic little cure. Some people look at Jesus the same way. I got Jesus. I'll do whatever I want, live my craziest life, and at the end I'll say, Lord, forgive me, and boom, I've got it all covered. But that shortchanges the beauty of what Jesus came to do. And yes, some people view Jesus this way, um, and they don't want to really do anything changing their life, but they want all the benefits, none of the sacrifice, none of the work, none of the commitment. Um, but by the way, let me say this. Um, living that line of faith, your faith that way, is dangerous. And also, swallowing a tapeworm is dangerous. Don't do either one of those things. Those are both bad things, and they do not work the way the people that engage in them think they're going to work. Because Jesus didn't just die on a cross so that you could turn into a guilt-free, consequence-free sinning machine. That was not the point of his death on the cross. The entire point was so that he could save us from sin and free us from sin so that we could turn into, transform into a new kind of humanity. So that you and I would be a new, renewed, different kind of person. So that the life after Jesus and the life before Jesus would be drastically different things. For your good and for his glory. Jesus' goal is so much bigger than forgiving your sin. Getting you kind of unhitched from your sin problem is just the first part of the plan. He doesn't want us just to, again, be forgiven so that we can go on living and being hurtful to ourselves and selfish and greedy and snobby and all that stuff. He doesn't want us just to keep walking and living the same way we've been walking and living. Ultimately, Jesus wants to help us transform into the kind of people who don't even want to live that way anymore who don't even find, have the same taste for evil and sin and selfishness and, and being crude and cruel and angry. and he, he wants to transform us into people that are the best kind of people, the best version of ourselves, to remake our hearts so that we aren't jealous and petty and greedy and insecure, to transform us into the kind of people who never get hateful, who never get malicious, who aren't cruel and stingy. He wants to help us become the kind of humans that God really wants us to be. 
And it's this part of the plan where the resurrection power really shows up in the transforming work that comes through Jesus. Because you see, Jesus was this weird, un, kind of difficult to understand, I won't say impossible to understand, but difficult to understand mixture of God and human. He was fully God, fully human. He was God somehow, the un, you know, huge God that's bigger than all of creation somehow squeezed into a you know, person. And they were shorter back then, so he was probably like more like this. You know, he was, it's a, it, it doesn't really fit into our brains in a very easy way. But the human part of Jesus is like the humans that we are now. Jesus experienced temptation. Uh, he never gave in to it, but he still felt that draw, that pull to do things that weren't kind and weren't God-honoring. Um, before his death, his body, he could get sick. He still felt the curse of sin, the decay that led to death. Good Friday is proof of that because he actually died. So the human part of him before Easter, before the resurrection, was the same kind of frail, broken human that we all are. But after defeating sin and death, he rose to be a different new creation. The human part of him was something different. He was a, a new kind of being. Charles Spurgeon says it this way, after his, talking about after his resurrection. It says, he, Jesus, feels no more suffering, weakness, weariness, reproach, or poverty. He is no more complained at or opposed by men. He is in the world, but he scarcely seems to touch it. And it does not at all touch him. He was of another world and only a temporary sojourner in this globe to which he evidently did not belong. When we believe in Jesus, we receive a new life and rise to a higher state. Jesus was a new kind of human, and Jesus shares this new resurrection life with us. This kind of perfect, remade humanity. Jesus then, that power kind of explodes out from the cross to anyone who would put their faith in Jesus. And we can be the kind of human that God made us to be. The kind of human that no longer has that same taste for sin. I mean, the transformation is amazing. Like, imagine if you could just get a shot today and all the things that are terrible for you taste bad and broccoli, and kale, and unseasoned, uncoated chicken breasts, grilled chicken breasts, all of that started tasting like amazing to you. Like, you'd get it, right? Like, you'd get that shot to say, man, the stuff that's killing me, oh, man, if I could just, right there, that stuff's nasty. That cake, ugh, ugh, who wants cake? That's disgusting. Chocolate chip cookies, barf, no thanks. Brownies, ugh, get them out of here. Chips, I couldn't stand to eat another chip. That's disgusting. And all of a sudden, you're like, man, give me some carrots. Ranch, I don't need no ranch. These carrots are amazing. Like, if you could just swap that little switch in your brain, of course you would do it. That's the kind of transformation that Jesus wants to bring into our souls. And so that things that are all, any sort of, that cause any sort of disruption between you and other people, anything that breaks a relationship or undermines a relationship, anything that causes you pain or others pain, he wants those things to be disgusting to us and to us to do anything we can to build relationships, to forgive, and to grow together with others. And Jesus said, that's the kind of life I have lived and have raised into, and that's the kind of new life I want to radiate into all of my people who put their faith in me. And he said this many times. Nobody during his life 
really understood what he meant. But when you look back with the, the gift of hindsight, you can see that he was promising all along that he would rise in power and share that new resurrection life with his followers. In John chapter 11, he told uh, his, one of his closest friends that he would give them new life. Right when she was like struggling in the midst of the pain of this world. He's saying, like, all this stuff that hurts you, I'm going to free you from all of that stuff. Here's what he said. John eleven twenty five. 25. He says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So notice Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to rise and I'm going to take my life back. No, he says, I am the resurrection. I am the source of life. The reason death cannot touch him and hang on to him is because he is life itself. The reason humanity exists is because he breathed life into us. And death cannot hold the source of life. And he's saying, I want to share that full, abundant life with anyone and everyone who will listen. He wants to share that with us. He said something similar a few chapters later in John 14. He says, yet a little while, and the world will see me no longer, meaning I'm going to die, and you guys are going to think I'm gone. But you will see me, talking to his disciples. But everybody else, I won't be there anymore. But to you, you'll see me again. Because I live, you also will live. Again, he hints that he's going to die and rise, and that there's some kind of life, some kind of secret that he's going to share with them. And that's open to you and to me, and 2,000 years later, that promise, that energy, that power of the resurrection is still flowing through the human race to anyone who puts their hope in Jesus. In Romans chapter 6, here's what the Apostle Paul says about it. He says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father that we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin, this old self that likes all the unhealthy, horrible things, all the behaviors that lead to death and suffering, that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. So Jesus rose from death so that when we choose to follow him and join our lives to him through baptism, we receive a new life. And this is so much more than a second chance. Okay? If you've ever given somebody a second chance, it's like, all right, you got one more chance. Don't mess it up. Like, that's not what this is. This is a new life, a new way of living, a new heart that completely overtakes the old. So that, again, sin no longer seems beneficial and fun. And so because of this new life, we start seeing things not just from our little tiny perspective on earth. Because from this perspective on earth, the reason we choose and chase the dumb things we choose and chase is because from our little perspective down here, we think, that's going to make my life so good. I chase all the sin, and if I tell that lie, and if I hurt this person, that's going to build my life in the direction that I want it to be. It's going to make me my life easier and give my life more pleasure. But he raises us and gives us a higher perspective so that those things, we see how short-sighted they are. 
We see how futile they are. We see how all those things do just hurt and add chaos and misery to our lives and everyone else. And so when we are raised beyond that, we don't have that small-sided, short-sided vision anymore. And so when we start to, you know, look bigger, things that used to sound great don't sound great anymore. But while we're here, some things still, uh, we still have a way of living for ourselves, thinking we're more awesome than we really are. Our egos are so easily bruised that we tend to hold on to anger and bitterness for people who've hurt us. I mean, how dare somebody hurt or insult someone as great as you? How dare somebody do anything in your life that you would not want or say something to you that you didn't want to hear? Our small earthly eyes think that we deserve to go out and get anything that's going to bring us pleasure. Man, is that the message that you see. It's been that way for, in like commercials since I was a kid, but even when I was a kid, people were like, well, you can't have anything you want. And now people are like, yeah, anything you want. Just go and get it. Anything that will make you fun, make life fun, give you pleasure. Yeah, just go ahead and get it. Our small earthly eyes, we want to build ourselves our own little kingdom, make ourselves the ruler of as much of our life as we can, and we'll scrape and hoard as much as we can get because we think it's all about us, that small tiny earthly way of thinking but this new life comes with a new perspective and you start to see one how little you deserve the forgiveness of God and you just see how generously he pours that forgiveness out on you and that changes your perspective so that you're like if God forgave me of so much if I was so awful to what God wanted me to be and I've hurt people and I've ignored God and I've done my own thing if you realize man I don't deserve his forgiveness one bit and he's so generous with it which that leads to the, how could I possibly waste my time on earth holding on to anger and bitterness towards somebody else? If he's going to give me this forgiveness that's so, that I so don't deserve, why would I withhold that forgiveness from other people? It draws you into healing relationships. You think, how could I possibly have the right to hold more of a grudge than God himself? With this new perspective, the things that used to look pleasurable suddenly seem empty and bankrupt. We start letting go of our disordered sexual desires and walking away from the things that we've lusted for because we start to see that, man, that's just not the way to live. We start to see that generosity of God everywhere. We start to see everything in our life as a blessing. You even look at your past and you go, that thing I thought was horrible. That was God keeping me out of danger. Oh my gosh. And you get this perspective to see all the ways God has shown up to do good in your life. And so that all of a sudden, living for yourself just seems small. You see a bigger world and a bigger mission at work in the world. And so living for yourself, to satisfy yourself, to accumulate as much money and stuff as you can, that suddenly seems foolish. In fact, this change is so dramatic that the Apostle Paul says that we are not even really the same person anymore. That when we truly accept the power of Jesus through his resurrection, we're not even the same person anymore. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says this, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Or meaning, we don't look at anybody like the same little mere human. He's like, even though... We once regarded Christ according to the flesh because he hadn't died and rose from the grave. We thought he was just a normal guy like everybody else. He says, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, brand new kind of person, a brand new thing. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The power of the resurrection is that you and I get the chance to be made new at the deepest levels of who we are. 
so that you can be free from the corrupting effects of sin and selfishness and truly experience the life God intended all of us to live. The resurrection is why Christians can experience change and hope and transformation as we spend more and more years walking with Jesus. That's putting off the old life and putting on the new. That's what we call that. You know, every day we're doing a little better. Um, it's, letting our old, it's letting go of that old way of life that's really got a lot of deeply worn habits. And it's learning every day to trust more into the power of Jesus uh, toward that new life and what he has for us. So now every day, if you're a follower of Jesus, you get to experience the resurrection and the power of it all over again. Every time a Christian says no to sin and yes to God, that is a victory of resurrection power. Every time you say no to selfishness and instead choose to serve somebody and inconvenience your life, that's a victory made possible by resurrection power. Every time you give money to the homeless to help widows, to help orphans, rather than spending it on just one extra additional luxury among the many luxuries that we have in our lives, that is a victory of resurrection power because you got to say no to you. And we live in a culture that says saying no to you is wrong. And so to be able to stand against that and see differently is a victory of resurrection power. Every time you forgive somebody who doesn't deserve forgiveness, like they did it, they're guilty, they wronged, every time you let go, that's a victory of resurrection power. Every time you stop being worried about yourself and become more concerned about others, that is a victory of resurrection power in your life. So yes, Jesus dies to free us from our sinful past. That's part one. But he wants you to be a new, brand new, different kind of human so that your life is more about spreading life and giving life to others, being a source of hope and joy in the world rather than another human who just brings corruption and mess and pain because you're selfish like everybody else. This new life of Jesus, this resurrected life, is one that never ends. That's one thing we, we think we kind of get wrong when we talk about this as Christians. We kind of think, one day when we, meet, get on, when we move to eternal life, if you're a Christian, eternal life has already started for you. You are there now. This, you are living in a life that will now never end. You have already joined the new creation. You're just waiting on Jesus to come and put on the finishing touches. So yeah, the resurrection absolutely matters. The cross and the empty tomb, two sides of the same coin. Both have meaning beyond our human understanding, and both are uh, kind of powerless without the other. you got to have both. They both have meaning. They both have power for us. The resurrection means you have access to this new life right now. And that's just, again, something I, even Christians forget. Some days we wake up and we're like, oh, another day. We don't wake up and think, boom, I have a new day to show off the resurrection power of Jesus. I have a new day to show off that Jesus is good. And we, don't, we just don't think that way. And I think we should. I think we should hop out of bed a little more joyfully than we often do. I mean, yeah, I get it. You got to creak and groan and pop and all that stuff, typically, as you get older. You got to get that out of the way. But there should still be like a, okay, now that that's all there and loosened up, okay, now I get to go conquer a day with some resurrection power. And so Jesus proved who he was. And so I hope that you can start to see that Easter is meant to be this joyous, amazing celebration. It is something to be excited about. If you have any hope of being a different person, of, of having second chances and third chances and being the kind of person who can bless others rather than be a drain on them, that's all possible because Jesus rose from death. 
And so that's why I keep saying that Christmas, yeah, gets all the press, but Easter is really where it's at, for Christians at least. And it's because of Easter that we get to enjoy this new life every single day. We get to wake up every single day hopeful that today can be better than yesterday, and tomorrow can be better than today. Hopeful that we have a victory over our sins so that we don't have to be as tempted anymore, so that we can walk away from things that we used to love and finally start to see them as the empty, hollow pursuits that they are. And hopeful that nothing can stand in the way of living forever with our God. The resurrection truly, truly changed everything. So praise be to God for the cross and the empty grave. Let's pray. Father, we're so incredibly grateful for the work of Jesus on the cross, that his blood was poured out to wash away the evil and death of sin in our lives, but also that Jesus was so powerful that he took his life back into his hands, that once sin was fully paid for and the death fully washed away, he stood up in power and life, and he gives that life to us, that when we come to you, When we come to you through him, Father, we are made clean and we are given a new life and a hope and a power to change. That Jesus sends his spirit to live inside of us so that every single day from this point on, we can pursue a better, more fulfilling, and more joyful life with you. A life that is bigger than ourselves. Because, Father, you made us to be a people of power and example in this world for your goodness and your grace and your love and your kindness. And uh, we're not always going to nail it out of the park. We're not always going to be awesome at that. We're going to fail and we're going to fall and we're going to struggle. But that's just because we have a day where we start leaning into the old ways. We start falling back into the old life that is dead and leads to death. And so I just pray, Father, that you would remind us each and every day of the power of the resurrection and the power of the life that lives in us now so that we can wake up and live for you each and every day And be confident that each day you are leading us to be a new human and to be a force in the new creation. And we just thank you for that so that we can have hope beyond our wildest dreams. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.